So hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Sanacast this season, myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined first, we should introduce our guest in a minute, Ollie, by an Ollie Warner who is reaching very quickly the end of his tether. <laughs> How are you, Ollie? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm good, apart from when I think about too much about the football. Um, <laughs> it is a... Yeah, I just can't believe we're here. I just can't believe we're here again. Um, so yes, this podcast is going to be hopefully quite therapeutic. Um, we're going to go <laughs> through the transfer window, which is going to be quite sombre. We're going to go through the Stanley game, which was pretty poor. We've got some stats, um, which is probably advisable if anyone's driving. They probably maybe stop driving um, <laughs> because they want to kind of veer off the road. Um, and then we'll have a talk about what the rest of the season. Um, and obviously, this is a great time to get our um, to get a special guest on the podcast. Yeah, so we're joined again by Andy Davis, uh, Shrew, as a lot of people know him. So yeah, we've got you back on, Andy, for the first time <clears throat> this season. And um, yeah, I, I, it does strike me, Andy, that I think we might have had you on, and the only times we've had you on has been when we were going through fairly minor crises, or maybe this is a big crisis. But yeah, welcome back, Andy. I'm sure you're in high spirits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, apart from the football, obviously. But no, you are right. You only seem to get me on when we're... Um... When we're up against it and struggling and the manager's having a nightmare, but yeah, so... Um, but isn't that it? But we joked about this, and then I said to you, when has there been a good period in the last three years? Mm. Uh, that's very true. One. That's very true. Sadly, it is. So, yes, yeah, so we will get to that, Ollie, because it's, it's funny, like, you want to talk about the wider context in this pod, just to say up front, but, you know, when we look at what's gone on since Paul Hurst left, and you, you take a big step back and look at this football club, there's a lot to get a bit down about, I suppose, and we will cover that, because I think it is context of where we've ended up as, as, as a, a team this season, but um, you're right, I mean, the first thing to look into, Ollie, is the, the transfer window, and, and let's be honest, let's, let's have a first focus on those last days of the transfer window. So we sat here last Sunday, obviously, we just had a win, hadn't we, against Gillingham, which was fantastic, you know, we've, we felt like there might have been a bit of a turning point, I suppose, in, in terms of getting our first points of the season and good performance from blocks I'm quite up for it and you know I don't think either of us sat there last Sunday Ollie, thinking we would get to that following Tuesday the transfer deadline day and having signed absolutely no one which is scandalous really isn't it to start us off yeah it's 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 negligence mm. almost even almost even maybe from a player welfare point of view because I don't understand how our midfielders are going to cope with the number of games that we have and yeah, we've basically got two pros playing central midfield, <laughs> um, Davis and Vela, who's obviously one of them was suspended on Saturday. Vela's amazing. God, if we'd lost Vela, we would have been truly in in in, in trouble. Um, so yeah, that, that that's I just can't believe we haven't signed anyone. We as as, as Tom Griff, whoever's on Twitter, would have noticed. Tom's Tom's quite proud of this stat. It's from like thirty four days we went from signing a player, and we didn't sign a permanent player in August. Mad. And given the state of the squad, it was a surprise. And Andy, I imagine you were quite gobsmacked um, on Tuesday night um, to hear that we haven't signed anyone. Um, no, I don't think anybody had zero on the on the sweepstake, did they? No, um, no. I, I just don't think anyone's considered the, the impact on morale at the club with the current players. You know, as a, as a player from the outside in, you're looking at it and thinking, you know, we need reinforcements, we need backup, we need depth, we need some difference makers. Uh, and that could be a huge momentum shift, <clears throat> but to get nobody is, um, yeah, it's a real, it's a real negative, isn't it? Whichever way the the gaffer tried to spin it, a real negative. Yeah, I mean, nobody is is shocking, really. I mean, 
you know, not not missing out on a few targets, as was discussed by Steve Cotter afterwards, and some deals he couldn't get through the door, and obviously Keith and Brian were working until late on, and obviously it was a game that night, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute, and won't touch very far on that. But for me, the, the most staggering thing really is, yeah, you, maybe you can't get those financial deals done for, for certain players to get it over the line. Maybe we wouldn't stretch so far, or wages were a little bit too rich for us, whatever. I can understand why some of those things happen. I don't understand how that happens with the entirety of August, however, but that's another thing. But for me... One of, one of the key things, I suppose, which where Ollie used the word negligence, and this one really stood out to me, was we have loan spaces available left in this squad. We haven't yeah. filled our quota of loan players, and we're a squad devoid of any kind of backup. And for Cottrell to be stuck on this mantra of I'll only bring something in that'll improve the, the first team squad, okay, fine. But, you know, we are soon rapidly going to find ourselves in a situation where, you know, a, a player with 10, 15 League One experience games or something that we've got in on loan off someone just to, to bulk us out would actually be hugely positive. You know, Brad, Brad Walker would walk into this team at the moment. You know, Dave Edwards would be getting games. So to not have filled those loan spaces up, Andy, that seemed to me the craziest part of, of everything. You know, how do we end up in that situation? I don't know what you think has happened there, but. Um, so, yeah. What's the most worrying piece of the puzzle for me? Because mm. as, a, as, a, as a parent club, you only send your players to places where they're going to be looked after and nurtured and developed and taught the right way and given the right sort of grounding. Um, and I don't think that clubs have been tripping over themselves to to put shoes beyond top of the list as they were sort of three or four years ago. And, mm. and that's a big concern for me, huge concern. And and you're right, there's there's lots of things go on behind closed doors that we're not privy to in terms of negotiations, money, last-minute pull-outs, all that sort of stuff. I get it. But if you haven't got a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, yeah. right the way down the window to a point where you can still fulfil your needs but in a different way, it's wrong. I'm sorry. You know, There, there is no try. It's do or do not. And yeah, it's, it's wrong. Yeah, before I throw it sorry, I was going to ask you a question. I, mean, I suppose financial climates have changed, but again, you've given us your experience of being in a in a football team and, you know, watching those transfer windows come round. And I suppose maybe it was different in your era. Maybe we didn't have those windows there. But, you know, you've been privy to the way that deals get done behind, I suppose, over over your career that you had. And, um, you know, had you ever seen a team you were involved in kind of mess up a window as bad as it feels like we've messed it up? There's definitely places, uh, <laughs> um, destinations of choice. Uh, and there's places you don't want to be. Mm. Um, and it feels to me, and it's felt like that from... You know, I've been communicating with Ollie quite quite a lot in the um, in the off season, and I've said to you, Ollie, on several occasions, haven't I? You know, I started off the Marmite chat back in June, um, and mm. I, I know first hand that a couple of lads that I know, um, it's not for them. <laughs> it's it's mm. not for them, and the, there's a variety of reasons behind that. The, the training pre-season the way it was and it and I got sort of scoffed at a little bit, but in terms of the amount of running they did, and it's very old school. It's very old school, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer that the the style of manager that Steve Cottrell is that it, it that it did work, and it did work for six months with us, doesn't it? But that short, yeah. sharp shock sort of style that he has, that abrasive nature, that vocal nature that he has with people, it, it will work initially, and he'll get his point across. And I think he made some great defensive changes that changed the course of our season. But I think longer term, you've got to be a different style. You've got to have more strings to your bow. We're a very simple team, aren't we? And this whole idea of just crossing the ball, and this obviously there's also this focus that's been on pre-season on fitness. Well, Morecambe and Burton um, tactically, I thought outplayed us. Stanley on uh, on 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 Saturday kept playing the ball behind the fullback, behind the wing backs, and kept exposing us. So it doesn't seem like we've worked enough on 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 the on the 
on the actual football side, and now we're seeing the shortfalls of that. But just going back to the squad and why we're so surprised on Tuesday night, some fans, I feel, are almost giving the manager the benefit of the doubt, and that's fair enough. But let's just put it into context. So there's 22 players in this squad. Um, if you say our favourite formation is four, um, three, four, one, two, mm. we've got we've got seven strikers in that squad. And I'm being really generous now. I'm going to call Wally a midfielder. That means we've got 12 players for eight positions. Yeah. <laughs> well, none of it works clearly, doesn't it? Because we've scored, you know, <laughs> hardly any goals and hardly any shots. But I think they're not they're not strikers are they? in different kinds of strikers, are they? We don't have a 10, do we? We don't have a 10 in the squad. We don't no. have, a, we don't have a, a false nine in the squad. We've just got strikers per se, haven't we? Yeah. And they've got zero creativity between them, have they? They're just no. different types of strikers yeah. that, and they're not yeah. even really hugely different strikers that like you know what no. you wouldn't say Sam Grove is a, is a, a target man and you wouldn't say yeah you wouldn't say Bowman or a Doe or, or a false nine or you know a Teddy Sheringham type they're all just average kind of strikers which is fine if they're a blend and you've got some different options you've got a little man a short man a fast man you know none of them are yeah. particularly fast okay yeah. some of them are particularly tall but then yeah as you said there we've got no number 10 and We've got no right back. So, yeah, we were playing wing backs, play Bennett there. But from my knowledge, he's always played a midfielder on the wing in the championship. So, yeah, he's a fantastic player. But we'll say the manager has signed good players. So, I think Pennington's a decent sign-in. Bennett's a decent sign-in. Um, Nurse looks like a good sign-in as well. So, the, some of the players we sign are good. But the but the numbers is just wrong. And, and to have more goalkeepers than central midfielders, when you play three central midfielders, counting a number 10 as a midfielder... In that model, it is this window has been absolute shambles. And how much of the budget, though, Ollie, was taken up with those aforementioned players? But I, I well, interesting you say that because you know, I, the impression I have is there's money still to spend. There is, no doubt, yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. No and also, we were trying to sign players on the on the on the end of the window, so clearly there was budget left. Brian's video, and I'll come to Glyn now. I know Glyn had a, Glyn's had one big takeaway from that, that video. For me, there's money to spend. I don't believe money's... Like, money could not be an issue. I know fans like to have a criticised the chairman and stuff, and that, that's fair enough, that's, that's their decision. But how can Stanley, Burton, Morecambe and Cambridge and other teams who are smaller than us in terms of gates... And most of the money comes from Gates in this division. So clearly we have a decent enough budget to have a squad. The budget for me is a red heron. This has been an absolute disaster from the manager. Yeah, and you're right. I watched Brian's video and and I think the the thing I took away from it was he was incredibly clear that the budget, due to the fans like us who put our money back into the football club and didn't ask for refunds last season, who have, you know, a lot of our older fans have gone into this season being pretty pissed off because they feel like they've been treated poorly. Um, you know, that, that ill will and the crowds being down as well probably doesn't help. But fans got behind this football club, this manager. You know, in the summer, they were all really behind Steve Cottrell. Let's go. And the, the message out the football club from Steve and Brian, to be fair, were that we were going to have a go. We were going to back the manager. And Brian's been very clear in his interview that our manager this season has had the equivalent budget of what Sam Ricketts has had over the last few seasons, the equivalent budget that Askey had. You know, the budget hasn't changed. It's no lower because of COVID, certainly no higher. So the money was there 
And the interview, it was also very clear that we did not spend all that budget because we didn't get the deals done at the end, because we didn't get certain things done. There is money left in the budget. And he was trying to spin that like it was great. Oh, we've saved some money now. I mean, as a fan, I don't feel particularly great about having saved some money. You know, we're pretty frugal anyway. And I think that that's kind of, you know, a good indication. I think it brings you back to what Andy was saying, you know, a man that's been in a dressing room is that there is a little bit more to this whole thing of Steve Cottrell he is the man that you've got to come and play for and you've got to want players that want to come and play for a manager of that style and that narrative and I think maybe that is a bigger play than the whole finances thing which people have been maybe focused on this week it's very difficult because we don't know 100% but there's things that have gone on post-game against Accrington where people have heard post-match conversations I believe and some of these things that are milling around now that is making me feel a little bit like you know Steve maybe is part of the reason why we we didn't get that recruitment exactly what we wanted and um, yeah I, I certainly think there are lots of ways to attack this and think why but I agree I believe there was money there for sure from what Brian said to get more players in and that we haven't done it it rests entirely on the manager and Keith Burt's shoulders and in honesty that's what Brian was trying to get across he was supporting his manager but saying look we did the best we could as a, a chairman and a CEO and um, yeah you've got to only be able to point the finger at the, the manager really in this circumstance as far as I'm concerned Ollie. Yeah no I'd agree Andy what's, what's your I'm, sure I'm just going to make the point well more of a question really throughout his tenure Brian Caldwell's been involved in transfer negotiations am I right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. I, I don't think that's the case this year, is it not? Well, my, my understanding from when I did the transfer dealings, and I, I do chat to Brian sometimes as well, is that my understanding is is that the manager decides. So, for example, um, there's that discussion about Norburn. Ricketts didn't want to sell Norburn, so he didn't sell him. My understanding is is the final call on transfers are done by the manager, and I think so. Sam Ricketts, for example, would choose a player. He'd identify him, and then Brian would do the commercial negotiation. My yes. understanding with Cottrell is, I think that Brian's a little bit more um, out of the picture as such. He stands back and he leaves the manager to do the job because we heard the manager did the deal for Norburn to Peterborough. Yeah, wow. that's my understanding as well. I just wanted to clarify that, yeah. and I think that's made a huge difference. I think that's made yeah. a huge difference, and um, like, like I say, that's that's where the Marmite comment originally came from. If I use you know, somebody obviously I've got an indirect, you know, sort of road into. Let's think about Chappie, Harry Chapman. You know, yeah. he's gone to Burton. Talk to me about that. He's had one of the best, you know, six months of his career scoring seven goals and, you know, you know, some worldies in amongst that. Yeah, he's chosen to go to, to Burton Albion. Right, a, t- a team that didn't charge any of their fans any season ticket money this year, and um, you know, as a Shrewsbury Town fan, it rings very hollow. It rings a bit disgraceful that we are not able to attract a player like that back. You know, especially when we haven't spent all of our bloody budget. You know, it's, it's not financial, budget. is it? Chapman no. has not come back no. to Shrewsbury for financial <laughs> reasons. We can just get no. that off the table now. Yeah, yeah. Like Burton's no, average attendance um, is like I think the average attendance is what like maybe five thousand or something like that. It, it, so it doesn't, you know, no, 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 not even that. No, not is it not that. four thousand or something? But yeah, yeah. It's less than that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to be. But so you know that that you know every thousand makes a big difference at our level. So yeah. there's no way, no way Burton have more money. This yes, they train at St George's Park, which is a huge pull. That's probably, but that's that's going to be cool for your first few weeks. You know, that's not going to make. So it, I just find it flabbergasting that we're in this position that we don't have the squad. And, and the re, you made a really interesting point, Andy, earlier on. And I want to kind of go back to it. You were talking about like the dressing room, and I haven't really thought about that. I was thinking a bit from a compet- competition point of view. You know, basically Vela is going to start every game. He could have a stinker for 10 games and he's still going to have to play because there's no one else really to, play, to fill his boots. What do you think, like, what will the players kind of maybe be saying to each other as the window ticks down? What might have they been saying on, I don't know, like Tuesday or Monday training and then also then training in the week when we didn't sign anyone? 
I just think it has a massive ne- negative impact. I think as a professional, you want to do the the best you can be collectively as well as you can individually. Uh, and for us to to, to not invest, um, it's a poor indication from the club's point of view about what they're willing to put in as well. Mm. Um, and there's some seasoned pros in there that haven't just come for you know a last hurrah. Either. I think Elliot Bennett's been one of our better players this season. I think he's a quality act. But he must be looking around and thinking, goodness gracious, this is not this is not yeah. what I signed up for. This is not what I signed right. up for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I just can't believe that that's the case. If you'd have said back in July that, that the last signing through the door was going to be, you know, here and now, you would have been laughed at, wouldn't you? You know, I, I, I listened to your pod last week and you were sort of saying, yeah, one or two minimum, one or two minimum. You're thinking, yeah, absolutely. So to get nobody in is a, is, is just, a, well, you've used all the adjectives, really. It just, it just defies belief, really. Yeah, and you know, and we add to this, Ollie, that you know the budget wasn't spent, and the budget would have been bigger by the time we sold Norburn. You know, three hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, we don't get all that money up front, but as we've discussed on the pod before, whatever deals we did would have been staggered as well. So you know, that money in staggered, that money goes out staggered. You know, you can consider yourself to have three three hundred grand to play about with, I suppose, over the next few years. And and so just all of that, the money that they've you know got from the fans this season, the the, the talk of you know going big, so to say, I think it's it's just left town fans incredibly pissed off let's be brutally honest about it the, the reaction to that transfer window was probably about as bad as you know pre pre someone getting sacked you know what i mean there was on yeah. social media you know if we'd have if we'd had a game that night well we had a game that night but if we'd have had a game where people actually went to it that night i think if the message had filtered through we weren't signing everybody there would have been bloody you know anti-club chants i would imagine because the reaction has been disastrous hasn't it no no one thinks we've done a good job this transfer window and I think everybody going forward um, will come to the Akin game, which is sort of like the cherry on the top of this shit week. But um, I think everybody is just incredibly worried now, aren't they? Yeah, I think it all got filtered into Tuesday night, didn't it? But it's yeah. it's not about Tuesday night, is it? It's about you've got a job to put a squad together. You've had a significant length of time to do that from the, from the end of last season to today. And the, the end result is 21 players in the most imbalanced squad that I've seen for, for years. <laughs> It's devoid of creativity, it's devoid of flair, it's devoid of excitement. Um, it, it, there's no balance to it. It's just, you know, where does the next shot, goal come from? Who knows? It's, yeah. um, so we played, on Saturday we played with three strikers and three left-backs. <laughs> <laughs> and no right-back. God yes. almighty. It's just really poor. Staggering. Just just going to go back a set just to correct myself. So yeah, I yeah, did look on. at Burton's attendance. So against Cheltenham, they had 2,900. And even against <laughs> Sunderland, they had 4,200. So we're yeah, getting nearly 2,500 more. Yeah. Um, if you did 200,000, you know, 2,500, and you just say that they paid, I don't know, 250 quid for the season ticket, that's an extra 650k. That's quite a bit yeah. of money at our level. It is. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 you've got to spend to accumulate, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? The lack of spending and the poor start to this season has already affected our bottom line. You know, let's let's take away the shambles with kits, the money we've lost through all of that sort of stuff. Let's take away all of that. Our attendances are now starting to look significantly down from pre-COVID, Ollie. We're down around 800 on average every game now compared to the first three games pre-COVID as a, as a like-for-like comparison. I'm certain there will be winter, ne- winter nights where we're getting sub-4,000 crowds again, Ollie. Um, and, and it's because I'm looking at just how many town fans are in the stadium rather than looking at total attendances. There's a significant yeah. drop-off. People have found more things to do. And the fact that we've messed this window up, we've started so poorly, which is also not helping us to attract players, I would imagine... It, there's a real, there's a real rot starting to set in. I hate to say it, but it's Cheers. not just about the manager in some respects. The, the club has to get a grip of where this could be heading. Three or four wins, yeah, maybe that changes the attitude. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of fans we're starting to lose as well, and that was that's what worrying me a bit. It's it's heartbreaking to watch Glenn, to be honest. I mean, I yeah. sat 
watching the home game last week and um, I had two streams on at the same time. So I had Hartlepool on, third home game against Carlisle. It was a sellout, so they had 6,500 there, 6,000 home fans. The, the away end was full. All had the new um, retro strip on, brand new strip, sold out in the club shop. Um, mm. Completely different trajectories in terms of one club on the way up and then the fans and it was the singing section was rocking. I could hear it from my house. It was absolutely fabulous. And you're watching the town, it looked like it was half empty. <laughs> There's no atmosphere there. Uh, it's just, you know, like you say, that the shirt situation is ridiculous. It's another stream of, um, you know, income that we're just not taking full advantage of. It's mm. just, it's just heartbreaking, to be honest. And we just need to be very careful. You know, it's not long ago that Hartlepool were out of league football altogether. And it only takes two drops. Um, yeah. And once you get on that sort of... Uh, Nasty decline. It's difficult to arrest that decline. I think we were awfully fortunate that Mickey Mellon that year that he got straight back up, didn't he? And um, yeah, yeah. we well, careful. Portsmouth. How long were Portsmouth in League Two? Six years or something like that. Yeah. A club of that size, Bradford as well. You know, yeah. there's, there's no, yeah. I think people don't worry too much about relegation because we had that. You know, Mickey Mellon signed 17 players that summer. Yeah, and did an amazing job. That was a fun season, and that's the fun. That's the kind of we'll come back to this kind fun. of this kind of this kind of theme <laughs> when we'll come talk about kind of like where we are. We've done some stats of kind of where we are the last few years. Glint done some stats as well on the season and, and Steve Cottrell's record. But for me, that's the I was. I think that's part of the context as well. It's, you know, we did okay last year. You know, we survived, and yes, Cottrell is a bit of a marmite figure, but you had s- some hope. Maybe it was naive, but I had a hope that this was going to be a fun season. And I, when I say fun season, mid-table, win some games, lose some games, but sign yeah. some players and have some fun. Instead, it's the 5th of September. We have not scored in five of our six league games and we're in absolute shambles on everything. Exactly. So many things you could talk yeah. about for 10 minutes, like the kits and all this stuff. And yes, you might sound a bit petty to talk about one thing on their own, but when you add it all together, you're just like, what are we doing? It's, no, it's crazy, isn't it? You talked about last year about his how well he did, he coached defensively and how we could look forward to him coaching us offensively and making us a better team going forward. I've seen no evidence of that no. whatsoever. You know, Al, Aaron Wilbraham seems to have disappeared into the shadows. I don't know what his input is anymore or how much he has to say on the on a week to week basis, but it seems to me like it's very little because he's overbearing, isn't he? Cottrell's yeah. overbearing, he's very loud, um, he seems to, you know, he just listened to the games, it was quite fun for a while last year while we were mm. eking one nils out, but I was listening to the audio on Saturday and it was, as a player that would knock the hell out of me, you know, telling me to do this and do that and do that, just let me play the game of football, it's just, and it's not to everyone's taste is it, it's just not to everyone's taste no. and um, and that's, that's where it originally came from. The question I wanted just, to ask you on this point actually about this every town's taste. And I hope you don't mind me saying this. So obviously we're we're of a similar age. We're all, in, I believe, and maybe you're just in, in, in just since your forties or in your thirties. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, but you give me. <laughs> but you're not. But you're not. But let's put it this way. But you're not nineteen, are you? So when no. you were playing, I imagine cultural types were probably a bit more common. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, now you've got your your son playing football. You know he, what has he? He's, he's young. He's coming through. And yeah. obviously, then you mentioned Harry Chapman. I imagine that the the standard and the kind of the the kind of expectations of how managers treat players now is completely different. I just wanted to kind of build on that point. You mentioned it a couple of times, but yeah, it, it, the, the game is it's completely different. It? It's completely different. You think about some of the people that I was involved. <clears throat> Terry Cooper was at Exeter, and Cyril Knowles was at Torquay, and obviously with Hartlepool with me, they were shouters and screamers. That was the norm. 
back then, you know, shouting, bawling and screaming and, you know, to the point of, yeah, the wallpaper would be flaking off the walls pretty much every every game, boots flying around. That was the norm, absolutely. But it only lasts for so long. It, it only lasts for six months and then it just becomes another message. You know, that, that sort of fear factor or shock value or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't last forever. It's not sustainable. And people become sort of humdrum to it and start switching off and, and wanting to be somewhere else. And that's what it looks like to me. You know, if you look at Cottrell's record, he's had, what, 10 clubs, 20 years of management, an average of two years. That says it all, really. Yeah, and his win percentage isn't that great. He had a, He's just over 50% at Bristol City. But then but, when yeah. you look at his time at Birmingham, it's 25. Nottingham Forest was 32. Portsmouth was 29. Even yeah. Burnley was 34. Well, if you take away Cheltenham and Bristol City, that, that time frame is considerably lower. Uh, I yeah. suspect it'll be probably nearer to one year. Yeah. Um, are, we, are we at one year yet? So, yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah. Which is a point I just wanted to build on. So players like Harry Chapman, even look at Obeta, he's a shell of the player that he was. And I, I yeah. just worry, and this we'll come back to this point again, and this is the obvious one to pick and, up on now. And it's the young lads that it affects the most. So I've spoken to a young lad who was with the club, and I'm not going to name him because it's not fair, but he wouldn't have gone back in a month of Sundays. Mm. Uh, so, um, and, and this is really funny because last year we brought Zambarek yeah. from from Brentford yes. and Scott High Scott High is now apparently playing in Huddersfield as a, as a guy who's an analyst guy messaged me saying oh you know Scott High never did anything for you I was surprised he's playing the championship I'm like not really I thought he looked like a good player yeah, and I'm bloody. Yeah. When, oh, how much would we? How much would we? <laughs> Glenn was joking about Matt Miller and Glass mm. and me crawling over him. Well, like, to get high or even a McCormick. Is it McCormick? McCormick. Think, yeah, yeah, look at McCormick at Wimbledon now. Yeah, pulling trees up, isn't he? So it's just yeah. It's, uh, young players are the ones that affects the most, and then the more senior pros, guys in between, can take it for so long, can't they? They're a bit more, bit more worldly. But the people that at the end of their careers are less likely to take it and the ones at the start of their career are going to be a little bit timid and, and, and aren't going yeah. to sort of face into it, to be honest. We, we saw it, didn't we, in the um, the League Cup game. Well, I saw it, I was there, standing in the sands, not far from Steve Cottrell, and a young, exciting player, um, Lesh Bella, gets a couple of early runs, looks like, you know, he's excited, he's got a bit of, you know, something about him. Five minutes into the game, the entirety of the second half, Cottrell absolutely destroyed him. He was so loud, everyone could hear it. You know, he just was going on him, coach, 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 coach. And what happened? The, the kid just disappeared out of the game completely. He did nothing for the, yeah, for the rest own. of the game. And it was yeah. just a very stark example of, yes, OK, it's, it's good to have high expectation levels. You might have your managerial style that's worked for you before. But, you know, when you're in a hole, maybe it's time to stop digging because clearly this approach is not working. You know, tra- transfers, coaching potentially at the moment. You can say we are being poorly coached. And and, and Andy just talked on it there. He said, oh... You know, last season you could say at least we were gritty and we, we didn't concede many goals um, under him and he was going to change us and we were going to be more attacking. Well, we've kind of not become any more attacking. Shot-wise, we haven't become any more attacking at the end of last season. But it's also been at a detriment to our defensive performance, which is now significantly worse than it was last season. So what he's tried to do this summer and into this season has been to create a worse team than we ended last season with. We are, we're almost certainly in a worse situation now than we have been at the start of any of the seasons so far, obviously performance-wise, but also squad-wise. And that's down on the manager. You know, worse than Ricketts, worse than Askey. You know, we're in a much worse situation going into their first two seasons, full first two seasons, than we were, um, than we, we are now, uh, I think. And it is, a, it is a major concern, isn't it? And the difference is we've got standard League One players. I don't doubt that there's the difference between Askey, Ricketts and, and um, Cottrell is not huge, I don't think. But what we haven't mm. got is is difference makers and game changers and people yeah. who can sort of 
you know, the, the John Nolans or the Chapmans or the Ockenberries who can give you a mm. goal out of nothing. We haven't got that, have we? We just haven't got that. So we, we have to do it the hard way. Yeah. We're going to rely on sort of 17-year-old kids doing overhead kicks every week. Then we're, it's going to be a long season, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be yeah, great. And, we've, and score, building yeah. on your defensive point, Glenn, we've conceded in every game. Well, yeah, first as well in every game, which is a shocking stat as well. I look back, I, I went back until, I don't know, something like the, the mid-2010s to try and find the last time we conceded first in this many games in a row. Couldn't find it. You might have to go back a long time to find that. And that is, you know, concentration levels. There's probably pressure, expectation now. You know, this run isn't something you get out of easily. There is a lot of pressure on them now. Clearly, you know, from I didn't watch the game against Accrington, so I don't normally have as informed view as I have, but I've seen every other game this season. Um, yeah, clearly the, the pressure they're playing under now is going to cr- cripple them as well. And they yeah. know they've got no support. We've got no other options. It's just going to, it could potentially build and build. Unless we can get a couple of wins quick, we're in big trouble. And that's one of my other areas. You know, you build up all these concerns that you have. Having a manager who just keeps barking and screaming and spitting in your face. <laughs> like, is that really going to, like, like, and, like Andy says, it's going to get you, it's gonna, one, it's going to be a boring message. Going to training is going to become demoralising. Every game being the same thing, it's just going to one is going to be it's going to it's going to be boring and it's going to get fed up hearing it. But also, I don't believe that that is going to improve things. Yes, okay, maybe they might work a little bit harder, but for me, it's it's not really about work rate. It's about about quality and confidence, and I just don't believe he's going to be able to. If he can get confidence to this team, I think we can we can be all right. But I have. I put a very low likelihood that he can turn this team around and build their confidence with this current well, what, style. Well, what's the measure for effective communication? Is it the people that you're communicating to are able to deliver what you're asking them to do? That's that's the benchmark, isn't mm, it? Yeah. So clearly, if rumours are, are correct, the, the after-match team talk at Accrington would indicate that whatever message it is that he's sending out to players is not landing, yeah. is it? So if the communication style is not landing, that tells you all you need to know, really. So whatever whatever way he's doing it, it's not it's not landing, um, no. and that has to change, doesn't it? Something has to change. It does bring us to a slightly different point about communication as well. Something else that people are beginning to get fairly fairly chipped off with, and again, this comes down to that last day of the transfer window, where obviously we we played the the pizza trophy game. We've lost because we always do lose, don't we? Um, um, we've lost late on against Crew. I didn't watch it, so I haven't really got much to say about that. But you know, legitimately, it's the transfer window deadline. He comes out to his interview at ten o'clock an hour until the window closes you know Shrewsbury Town fans are basically on tenterhooks wanting to know what's going on Lewis Cox dares to ask a question and we get but he didn't even that's that interesting Glenn. sorry just to correct you there he didn't even ask oh, a was, question yeah, he came true. down from the pre- he wasn't even he wasn't on the sideline he was in the he was in the bloody board box whatever obviously so he could go up on his laptop or his phone or whatever and maybe shout at some teenagers ask if they want to join Shrewsbury Town <laughs> Football Club and then he came down and he had a clear agenda and he was going or well, basically Stuart, Stuart Dunn was asking about transfer window questions and then he went on this tirade back against Lewis Cox Ask which Lewis. for me is completely unacceptable he, he, he came down with this clear agenda to say that and started going about Lewis Cox had been almost damaging his transfer window it's, <laughs> what, where, where has this bloke been for the last 10 years? Does he not understand social media and the role of journalists and what Lewis is doing? Lewis, Lewis is, let's be fair like Lewis is a nice lad and I'm sure there could be a lot more aggressive and a lot more vocal oh, yeah. and a lot noisier local reporters than Lewis Cox. Lewis yeah, Cox is not a stirrer. And for him to come out of that and intimidate Lewis, and he does it at every press conference now. I think this is not the first time on Saturday he hasn't done it for a really long time. Um, and that's why I say the manager is a bully. Because you can intimidate someone once, you can intimidate maybe the second time. But when you do it every single week, multiple times a week, you are a bully. 
And then the video we saw from mm. the Nottingham Forest player, the things we're hearing from all the other players. Yeah, it's um, it's it's, it's not good. But he did it at Birmingham. He did it at Forest. He's doing it. He's doing it with us. He's he's got a track record for it. I don't think we expected anything different. No. And um, yeah. and and Lewis is not deserving of that. To be quite frank, I mean, he didn't even he didn't even phrase the question in that way. And all the stuff around tweeting about missed targets and all that. Goodness gracious, he's living in a dream world, isn't he? You know, yeah. but, but there could have been far more out there. Far more out there, by the way. And that's what factually happened, because the next day Brian's talking about how we've missed targets and targets have chose to go elsewhere. And those names are almost certainly are the names that Lewis was putting in the paper in that week running up to it. You know, of course they were, yeah. About Chapman. Yeah. yeah, and we've obviously yeah. lost that. Of course they were. were the lad from Rochdale so, was one. Yeah, the lad yeah, from West exactly. Brom was another one. You know, exactly. there was other lads out there. So it's just complete. What that's got, What difference does it make? You've missed it and move on. Find the next target. You've missed but, it. Again, my point is, you know, talking on, on behalf of myself and, and probably some fans from what I've seen over the last few days is that, you know, you can be a bully in football. Let's be honest, there are lots of bullies in football, or there have been over the years, as Andy's indicated, and there probably still are at various clubs. There's lots of old school managers that do things certain ways. I'm almost certain Steve Evans is probably a bully behind the scenes, you know, probably a bit of a dick to work with. But, you know, as long as you're getting results, people can tolerate it at a football club. But when you're putting in the worst historic starts to a football season for your football club, you're continuing to lose to a League Two teams in a League Cup game that we should have won. You're going, you know, you're losing the first game in another cup. You're you're not getting your transfer window sorted. Then you've already got the fans on a loser. You've you've lost all the goodwill on that side. So you know, okay, is there any positive PR that we can kind of hang our hats on? Not really. I listen to all his interviews. I don't really learn too much. He's a, he's obviously peed off and not happy about everything's going. But I don't don't really hear the solutions or the ways to fix it. Do you know what I mean? And so he loses the fans that way. And and slowly but surely the the rock continues to fall down the hill gathering more and more and you know the only way to stop where this trajectory is going now is to get wins he's not he's not going to turn any of this round now unless we get results and deep down that, that's where we are isn't it, I suppose and I just I can't listen to his press conferences I saw someone said today uh, I think it was on Twitter I think maybe Gareth Hopkins saying I can't I can't even listen to these interviews anymore they're just they're just hard to watch then they are yeah. genuinely hard to watch aren't they Ali, sometimes really 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 awkward to watch yeah um, so you have to lose, you know, I often do like a jokey tweet, you know, I'm running out of gifts now, you know, for, for, I did one this one from um, a Henry V film where, the, you know, the media are putting a body armour on um, like a knight of the of medieval times to go into <laughs> battle and talk to the manager. But it just doesn't need to be that way. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's very, very Are you not poor. surprised the club even puts them out? Because they are painful to watch. I was, I was quite shocked that the, that the last set of interviews even went out to be honest they have to. I think, I think, I think a, contracts where they have to do it yeah. I think maybe for yeah. EFL um, but before we go on to the Stanley game this is probably the longest kind of well pre, pre, before we talked about a game on a podcast which is which has been which has been interesting to get into the, the pizza cup game was terrible and that for me just shows you how low morale in the squad is mm. that the players came in and they didn't I'm not saying they, they didn't like didn't you know didn't try as such but I don't know. They just seemed to be devoid of any confidence. Didn't seem to know what they were doing. It was an awful 90 minutes of football. And then Crew just scored a decent goal um, near the end of the game to, to win the game. And for me, if your your backup players uh, just look devoid of confidence and kind of devoid of, of a plan, and also again is a makeshift mess around, like you know Sunday league team, you know picking mm. players and playing people out of position. Um, yeah, it was really poor and. Yeah, Tuesday was a bad night in, 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 in recent history. It was a very, very poor night for Shrewsbury Town. It's a, it's a good indicator, though, of where we are as a club right now in terms of morale and, and all that sort of feeling, really, I think. And his, his press conference afterwards where he called the guys out and said that no one's, you know, really staked any claims for a first-team shirt and shouldn't be knocking on his door. All that sort of um, sound bites. It just make me squirm, to be honest. Because as a, as a player, you're sat there thinking, 
you know, can't do right for doing wrong. And, you know, it's just, it's just wrong. It's just not creating an environment where you think it's, we're all in it together and um, we're going to be successful. It's just not right. Just mm-hmm. not right at all. And it's a Birmingham city. When we, when we signed Cottrell, we had two kind of sides. Didn't we? we had the Bristol city fans saying he was amazing and the Birmingham city fans warning us. And one of the things, the Bir- remember, remember it stuck with me, one of the Birmingham fans, uh, Birmingham, Birmingham analytics account pointed out, he said that it's never, the, if there's an issue, it's never his fault. Mm. No, and no, you can see that. Going back to the youth thing, you know, it, it, I watched the whole interview after that game as well, because obviously it was quite spicy. The last question that got asked after that um, pizza trophy game was about Charlie Caton, yeah. who um, played in that game. Yeah, all right. Don't think he had a particular game. I said I didn't watch it. So he's playing number but, ten. He's a yeah. he's a little and, striker. But the, the, you, if anyone wants to go and have a look at how hard it must be for a youth lad to make any kind of breakthrough or impression on uh, Steve Cottrell, go and watch his reaction to that question yeah. because he is he is not having any of Charlie Caton anytime soon. I don't think he was he was he couldn't, he couldn't. Yeah, he was damning. But you know, Christ, if that kid ever watches that, he's he's done. And he's unless he's the sort of lad that can react with a negative and turn it into a positive. I don't think we'll see Charlie Caton anytime soon again. He was uh, really hard. Uh, Ridiculous, and he didn't have the best of games, and he's not in the right position. No. But did the manager stand up and protect him and take a bit of the heat himself? Absolutely nope. not. No, he's threw him under, under the bus. Yeah. Threw him under the bus. Quite happy to do so. Couldn't be any more obvious about it, you know. And, and you're right, that, that guy must be feeling about you know two foot tall. Ridiculous. Shocking. And it's about building players up, not knocking them down. You know, we do enough of that as fans. Never mind. You know, the gaffer doing it as well. Mm. I don't know, Wally. Where are we at? Is that so? Yes, yeah, so let's, 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 let's end let's end the transfer window. Um, and um, yeah, after after um, after how long we've been going for? Nearly thirty five, thirty seven minutes. Let's let's put the transfer window. We'll, I'm sure we'll come back to some of these threads. So let's quickly go through the Stanley mm. game because it's not really too much. We're not even going to do a first half, second half. We're just going to whack no. our way through it. Talk no. about um, the game, and then we'll come back to some of these joyous statistics, and then look ahead. To, for the rest of the season because I think it's, it's we need to have a discussion on that. Graham Turner, what you got in front of him over day. Lovely ball in, lovely down goal. It's uh, still there, still alive for Harold. Harold pulls it back. What a night! So yeah, following the Pizza Trophy loss uh, and a terrible, terrible transfer window ending. And a lot of gnawing of teeth the rest of the week up to the Accrington game. I suppose we all got ready for a Saturday game um, and a chance to put things right against one of the team, you know, the league's generally weaker teams. Although they've started well, haven't they, to be fair. And um, yeah, I had my ticket on Friday night, was all ready to go. Um, and I had a bit of a family medical emergency this week. So um, I had to stay at home this Saturday to, to do, a bit of, do a bit of caring and ferrying around to hospitals and things. But hopefully everything's OK. So I'm a bit happier about that. So yeah, I missed this game and, and only really listed on Radio Shropshire, which um, I will just say this before we get into the game. Radio Shropshire played zero music at half-time, which is staggering. It's, it's a new thing. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, our message is finally getting through, Ollie. There were zero songs. So um, that was my highlight Saturday. That was literally it. So, um, yes, Accrington won um, from Mbongo, or Mbongo, as it sounded like on the commentary. Shrewsbury Town nil. Um, terrible result, let's be honest about it, in the context of where we are at the moment. And it sounded pretty shit on the radio, but I'm sure it looked worse, Ollie, for you and Pooley who watched it. Yeah, it was a, it was a very, very poor game. Uh, very poor game. <laughs> I mean, in terms of who started, um, as we said, there was three three left backs in the in the side. Um, was it three left backs? No, there was two left backs in this one um, and three yeah. strikers. So we had Maurice in goal, Pennington, Ebanks, Pierre. So it was the first time those three have played. Um, but interesting to get Pooley's view on those three as a you know, do they really work in a back three? And um, so we have mm. Bennett, Vela, and Leahy. The managers, I feel sorry for Leahy because he's definitely going to get the tag as, as the manager's um, favourite favourite yeah. son. 
um, and then Nurse, cause, and then we've got a Doe <laughs> playing the ten. A Doe, and well, actually, I'll ask you two questions: one about a Doe, and one about um, the back three poorly, and then Crossgrove and Blocks from which is fine. So, yeah, what, what's your view on the, those back three and a Doe in a ten? <laughs> Um, the three is not perfect, but it's the least of our worries at the minute. Um, <laughs> if I'm, if we're going to sort of dissect it, I, I don't think it's a, a perfect combination for, for a variety of reasons. Um, mainly because of the three, they need to be able to play football uh, and play at pace. Um, we talked about that the, the start of last year, same conversations really, but I think they're all adequate league one defenders. Um, I think, I think, um, they'll do a job, um, but that wouldn't be my starting three in a League One team. And you might as well go to a four if if, if that's the, the three he's going to use. Uh, Udo is is not a 10. He might wear a 10 on his back, but he's not a, a link player. He's not somebody who's going to unlock defences with key passes or mm. with key dribbles, um, square pegs and round holes. Uh, Luke Lee's a good professional footballer, but he's not a midfield player. Um, he's a left back, end of. Um, if you're going to play him there or don't play him at all. Correct. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just odd. It's just, it's just really odd. The isn't shambles. It? it just comes back to the squad, doesn't it? So I, I used to call it the the prediction game, the the team prediction game. Still on a Friday. It's not really a game anymore because it's just painful because you've got to do something that you just feels wrong. So yeah, you've got to either have yeah someone who in the ten who doesn't play there or someone in midfield who shouldn't really play there and. You know, I'm not a football coach. I haven't been only football coaches, but I think it's fair to say central midfield is quite an important area in in in, in modern in modern professional football. And the fact that we've got uh, someone who's basically just covering there uh, is a joke, to be honest. Yeah, I just don't understand it. I mean, it's bad enough that we have a lopsided squad that's that's you know clearly not rounded out completely. Um, but then the formations he picks on a weekly basis. There's more people on the bench. That would be in my starting lineup than there is in actually in the starting lineup. It just it befuddles me week in week out. I've give up trying to pick the team or even think about what it should be because it's it's too frustrating to be honest. Yeah, I'm better. Think, What's your view on the better not being the side then? Well, <laughs> I've said this for weeks now, haven't I, mate? About how if I'm better not playing, you're having a nightmare. He's our most talented player. He's obviously one of our best players, and we seem to be doing our best to reduce any value that he might have had for the football club down the line and, and reduce him to a bit part player from someone that stood out. Um, during one of the better runs we've had in the last sort of four or five years under Cotter when he first came in, so I, I can't understand it. I, I agree with Andy. Lee, he needs to be dropped for his own sake, to be honest with you. Otherwise, he's going to be the focus of Ayo during games. I'm, I'm sure of it because he's clearly underperforming every week as a central midfielder. Not his fault in some respects. I don't really even feel too bad for the guy, but he's going to get real clog if this keeps going on. Nurse, you know, if he has to make way for better, so be it. Um, and then you play Bella Davis when they're fit, and, and that to me feels like at least a better balance. But do you know my saddest indictment about our starting lines at the moment, Ollie? Since Sean Wally joined this football club, right, consistently, me and you have talked from the Mickey Mellon era about how I hate him in the 10. I wish he didn't play in the 10. You know, he's never really done a job in the 10. But at this point in time, he's our best number 10. Still, at the age of 36, barely playing, he would be the best player to play in there, probably, because he at least has experience playing that role. He's uh, has, at times in his career, been a difference maker. Yeah, it might be gone from one in three games to one in five games now but at some games he'll turn up and he'll do something playing a doe in there is an absolute waste you might as well play no one he, he, he does nothing in that role um, and he does nothing up front either I wouldn't be playing him week in week out so I, I just find it staggering that I'm claiming now uh, the person that has been harsh on Wally in the 10 for years that in retrospect he's probably our best option at times and I'm, I'm baffled by that 
We haven't got a ten. So what's the point in playing a ten? We haven't got <laughs> exactly. a ten. Stop playing the ten. We haven't got one. Play so just go. Just go. If we had, you know, I'd play the two biggest lads up front and just knock it long. Just, just change it. We haven't got a ten. So why are we no. persisting Can't with something that's never going to work? You try and, and you try and pick a formation out and you can't. <clears> you can't play. You can't play four two three one. We haven't got a ten. If we play four three three, we haven't got enough central midfielders. Nope. And then we don't we we don't have a we, we play our better on the left wing. I think four three three is probably our best bet with all of our players fit. Um, you play Leshebella, you play um, you play Davis and Vela in midfield. You play better and Warley. But then the trouble is, you're only playing one striker, and we've got six other strikers. If Warley's, it's just a car crash. You can't. You have to. Yeah. That's why we're playing four four two. And someone was people were trying to tell me that Bloxham is a right wing. Could you believe that Bloxham has played right <laughs> wing in his youth career? So you're telling me that when he's fifteen or sixteen. The, the, the manager goes, you know what? That really, really tall lad who's like six foot four and probably, probably had a growth spurt. He's, the fact he's got a bigger beard than me suggests that he probably started puberty quite young. So he's probably six foot five when he's about 14. And you're telling me that someone in the youth system playing in the right wing? Fuck off. Honestly, I mean, uh, you can list all the six foot five wingers like, just like that, can't you? Yeah, none is the answer. And going back to Ogbetter, I, I can't think of a more rapid decline of a player um, in, in Shrewsbury's recent history I, I really can't Bonkers. he went from being an almost superstar the way he played the beginning of last year when he came into the team ok he tailed off towards the end but he looked a shell of player devoid of confidence devoid of self-belief and, and that one sits with with the manager I'm afraid I, I don't care what's going on in, in the off-season in terms of his agent and trying to get him away that, that happens every week in every club in in the 92 clubs, I'm afraid. Well, <laughs> That's just part, part of practice. You know, now he's well, not playing. If he's, that, if he's that unhappy and that upset, then just sell him, yeah, absolutely. If, if we weren't going to play him, Get and max value for him. 400 grand, then we should have bloody sold him in the summer. It's another thing. But in the meantime, the he's an asset. Yeah. And as an asset, you should grow your assets, not knock yeah. them down. And uh, it's unbelievable. You could can't believe the way it's been you'd handled. You'd probably say that actually um, Ogbet is probably our best 10. That pass he did for a doe <laughs> against Gillingham. Ollie, is probably, he looks. His body language is awful, Ollie. Yeah, yeah he, he, he looks like he doesn't want to even be there. He looks like he's been de- he, been destroyed. Like he looks his socks rolled down. He looks like he couldn't be. Uh, he can't kick a ball straight. It, it, I'm but sorry, when he joined, he was so happy. Remember that post, oh. perhaps press match, post a match. Fantastic um, individual. He was so Fantastic. Happy. This family yeah. here, I'm really happy. He Super lad. Smiles, yeah. full of smiles. Yeah. Yeah, contagious, wasn't it? It was absolutely full of, you know, full of the joys, just superb professional. You thought, wow, we've done amazingly well to get this guy on board. Um, yeah. And, and phew, unbelievable. He's a year away from playing for a club that'll appreciate him at the top end of League One, and probably, you know, heading towards pushing his career on after that. And we'll be thinking, yeah. oh, there was another really talented player. Another, really another uh, Okanabiri or another oh, whatever, don't. yeah. Don't, Ollie. <laughs> Don't wind right. up poorly. So let's get through this game. So basically, it's fair to say that Stanley started brighter than us. Yeah. Um, then there was a pen claim, basically ball down the side. I watched this back a few times. I'm convinced it was a penalty. I don't know whether you saw it. This one, Pule. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it could have. I got. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a penalty anyway. And then, and then they scored a goal. Yeah, possibly. So, so yeah. So basically, 15 minutes into the game, um, basically they play a ball, a, a triangle, basically around Nurse. He's out of position. Their right centre back on loan from Burley crosses the ball. Um, Bit of a shot, kind of like scramble, saved by Morosi, and the striker puts in the ball at the back of the net. As Glenn, as Glenn said, we've conceded first. Um, we did have an opportunity not long after that. Vela had a cross and that blocks some chance. But for me, after that, that was it. That was the only real chance we made in the whole game. 
that yeah, it was just two, two, two very ag- average League One teams going at it, wasn't it? One at top of the league and one near the bottom, unfortunately. Yeah. It sounded awful on the radio from from listening to it. You know, I would say to be fair, normally Radio Shropshire can be a little bit overly positive at times, and I think you know that's the nature of being that local radio station. I think that Mark Elliott definitely pitches it a little bit better than Nick Southall, who I personally cannot stand listening to on the radio. He's He's, I don't know what he's taking before the match, but he's tripping off down Happy Street every match. But um, yeah, I, I quite like Mark's realism, and Dunny was 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 sort of kind of being able to capture that as well. They've got to try and look at the positives, and but there weren't really many. You know, my my feeling yeah. from listening to it, you know, on on the game was they did they didn't really find many many positives to be honest with you. And um, yeah, just before we go back to you guys, really watching it, Morosi. I mean, we haven't really talked too much about Morosi, and it's probably because he hasn't been terrible in any games. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't been exceptional. He's made some really good saves at times, but he's not been terrible. But if he doesn't keep a clean sheet on Saturday, he's going to set the record for the longest time for a for a, play, a goalkeeper signing for Sheffield Town to get his first clean sheet. He's already on eight, which a joint record with Harry Burgoyne when he joined, which is even more remarkable. We've had two bad keepers back to back in terms of that record. But yeah, Paul Morosi to be stranded out there on nine games out of clean sheet. I, I do feel like it's a bit unfair on him in some respects. I don't know what you think about him, Pudi. Yeah, I think he's a good keeper. I think he's done yeah. okay. I think he's, a, again, I don't think he's a major problem for us. There's certainly mm. more more pressing needs than the goalkeeping position. I think he did okay. I think he made some good saves on Saturday that kept us kept it down to one as well. Um, I think it's always yeah. quite. I, I took in the um, the Accrington commentary. Um, Brett Ormond was talking about Shrewsbury and, and was less than less than positive, shall we say? Um, <laughs> well, and, and he was right. I think yeah. he, he was right. You know, I think particularly up until half time, um, and he was quite honest in some of his appraisals. To be honest, I think the only one he had a positive word to say about was uh, was Tom Bloxham. The, mm. For the rest of him, I think it was just you know poor, poor side. Devoid of ideas, right. devoid of movement, devoid of a plan, and that's coming from a neutral source. And I, you have to agree in many regards. And talking of frustration, um, you could, you know, we picked up a string of yellow cards um, yeah. for like for rash challenges and and, and players clearly getting quite frustrated, uh, which was which is obviously not ideal. And just again, just shows shows where the squad is. Um, there's not really too much else to say about this game, to be honest. Um, the manager said we created chances, we did not. Um, Stanley were the better side throughout the whole game Um, from an XG point of view they were more than twice as much XG as us Um, so to say that we were the you know we we played well is just is just a fib to be honest Um, and there was even a Stanley really should have won this game 2-0 there was a huge chance for Stanley and where their goalkeeper turned into a number 10 launched the ball over the top no one tracks the runner and Morosi saves the day um, had a fantastic save from from the goalkeeper, and yeah, if he wasn't here, would be would have an even worse goal difference. Yeah, on another day, that could have been a sort of three or four nil game. I thought, like watching it, I just thought they had. And they didn't role. even have to try, did they? No, they looked like they're in third gear, and they had two more gears left. To be honest, but I just thought there was we huffed and puffed near the end with the extended sort of injury time, but he never once really thought that um, we were going to create a, a guilt opportunity. And I think the uh, the moment when Cosgrove fell over just summed it up for me, really. Then nine minutes, didn't we? Injury time at the end of the game. Yeah, and yeah there was a, an issue with the net. <laughs> yeah, issue with the net, which couldn't get fixed for a while. I'm actually just I was going to ask you about um, Crossgrove. What's your what's your view on him? Is he a two million pounds <laughs> championship striker? You're not, you're not asking me that, are you? Really? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are going to ask you that question. What's your view on him? He looks devoid of confidence. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that point. But it's not just about the goal output. It's not about that for me. It's about what what a forward brings to to the table. Is he he awkward to play against? Is he a handful? 
Is he someone you can play, you know, as a target man? Is he is he linking people in? Is he making the centre half life difficult? Is he threatening in behind? What is it you're hanging your hat on? You're a two million pound striker. What is it you're hanging your hat on? You've got a bit of aggression about you. None of the above. No. None of the above. <laughs> no, I'd rather, the I'd answer, really rather you know, see Bloxham uh, fit, or whatever start up front instead of well, him and Joe, maybe. You've got to ask what your striker is. You talked about you know my kids' team the other day and Finley's playing football. He's a centre forward. And I'm pointing him out to him saying, right, he does nothing. Don't watch him. Don't, don't do anything that he does. You know, he doesn't get his backside in. He doesn't jump. He doesn't come from an angle. He doesn't... I, I don't know what it is, you know. I, I have no idea. And, and maybe it is a confidence thing. Maybe it is a fitness thing. I'm not quite sure. But all I can say is his output, whilst he's been at the club, has been shocking so far. I, I, and as Andy knows, I was a shit striker for the away supporters. Didn't always score the most goals I could have done, Andy, did I? But at least I kicked people and got up amongst them and unsettled them for everybody else. I think yeah. if you could at least do that, it'd be a start, yep. wouldn't it? Just, Absolutely, just I, I take it. Something. Yeah, just, just, just something to hang you out on. Exactly, it doesn't have to be, you know, I don't expect to goal a game or whatever. It's not, no. it's not about that. It's about what you bring to the table. And right now, I just don't see what that is. I don't yeah, see what that is. You know, I, I mean, Dave Smith was a manager for me at Torquay, ex-Plymouth guy. And when he pulled me in to, at the end of the season, my end of season appraisal, he said, oh, yeah, you're not particularly good at anything, but you're OK at everything. You're not particularly good at anything. And I took that as a bit of an insult. And I think, you know, someone needs to have a word with Cosgrove and say, you know, you're not particularly good at anything, fella. What is it you're hanging your hat on? Because it needs to be something, doesn't it? Fans. And he fell out with the fans at the end of the game as well, apparently. Apparently. So, Allegedly. Apparently. I don't believe Well, yeah. I think I've seen enough people say that that actually happened. That oh, okay. um, He yeah. was taking abuse off He was taking abuse off fans, which, fair enough, you know, if he's going to give it back, I suppose <laughs> we can't really complain about that. But maybe just shows no. you where he's at mentally at the moment in that, you know, he, he, people are saying he's carrying himself like I'm a two million man player. What the hell am I doing with this shit club? And to me, that's not yeah. going to float very much longer, to be honest with you. So he might be another one that becomes one of those targets for the frustration as the season goes on if we just don't pick up. But yeah, I do feel him and Lee here probably front front and centre for that at the moment, which is unfortunate for them. But well, I just um, think yeah. that in the one position where we've got a little bit of depth, you know, certainly from Bloxham and Bowman, they'd be well in front of him. I don't know how he gets in front of those him. guys. To be yeah. No, we don't. No. no, we don't need him. No, we didn't need him. No, the strikers was the the one area we didn't really need to strengthen, and we went and got the last one. Last pair we signed. Yeah. <laughs> God. Anyway, all right. What about your top threes, Ollie? Anyway, I I didn't watch this, so I feel unfair no. to give anyone. So I went for Morosi first because he he kept us in the game. Vela second, and Vela's going to win Player of the Season um, just because he's the only half decent player <laughs> we've got who's playing any decent <laughs> level at the moment. Um, maybe that's a bit harsh on Bennett to be fair um, and then I went for Nurse I thought it would a shift but what, what about you and Andy? I think mine were the same as yours but back to front yeah I, oh, I think okay. I went for, for, yeah, nurse, for nurse Stella then Morosi yeah. yeah I just think he's been a good signing I think he looks nurse a good is, player and that's he's the been frustrating steady. thing isn't it? We've yeah he's been steady quite good. yeah he's been a steady away hasn't he I think he looks like a good player and a good athlete um, uses the ball well he's, his positional awareness I think he was caught a little bit unawares on Saturday, but for the most yeah. part, he's been decent. Um, yeah. I think he's been good. I think in a better side, he would be an even better player. So he's been a good pickup. Avella's um, just a, a good player with a bad side, isn't he? Um, mm. And he's continuing his form from last year. And I think, like I say, I think Morosi kept us in it. I don't think he was that we were battered, but certainly two or three occasions he kept the he kept the numbers down, and he's done okay. He's done okay. And then Ollie. Cottrell didn't go mad at the end of this game, which was the first time for quite a while. No, it's the so first time he didn't have a pop at Lewis Cox for a change. <laughs> um, and he was a bit calmer with Stuart Dunn. Um, maybe a little some, bit. 
yeah, a bit calm. But he was, yeah, went on the top. Yeah, again, he was always spiky, even and so unnecessarily. Stuart yeah. said, you know, what was your verdict? What was your what was your view on that performance? And he goes, performance or result? Because that would be different. He said, you know, after they scored the goal, we were the better team. We were the better team in the second half. Um, blah blah blah. Then he went on to say, you know, we did everything in the second half that score a score a goal. That's not really true. And he goes, you know, there won't be many teams here that come and um, you know come and put the game to Akita Stanley like that. That's just not true either. Um, he said we need to be more determined. Well, yeah, I agree with that. But I think the players need a little bit more support and guidance um, from the manager of what they want because just crossing the ball um, all the time um, and yeah, it's, it's not going to work. It's not a plan, Ollie. It's not a plan. He's been no. saying it's a plan. But, but where are it's they crossing the ball from? I, I, I find this quite staggering, to be honest. I think somebody needs to do a heat map on where they're taking the crosses from. It's just <laughs> so easy to defend. It's untrue. Yeah. And that's yeah, what Gillingham did. I feel sorry for Gillingham. They had a good game plan, didn't they? Play three centre-backs because they'll just win the headers. Meet and and it took a, took, Meet took a, Yeah, it took a, a wonder goal to get the break, that's break through. And then we scored a decent goal when Obeta came on. But... Yeah. Particularly when you're playing three centre halves and you see a full back cock his foot back, you know, sort of thirty yards to the right hand side, you're thinking, Oh, easy. Easy. <laughs> but it is, isn't it? It's just yeah, it's the it easiest is. ball to defend in football. You can do it hundred times and ninety nine times out of hundred you'll be able to defend it. Now if you get round the back of us and you slide it down the sides and you're pulling it back, we're talking a different story, aren't we? Yeah. I you know, can't even think of a time we've done that in any of the games really. Advantage attack, isn't it? Every time. Yeah. yeah we haven't got terrible. a player to do it. No. I think we've happened against Portsmouth a few times, but yeah, it hasn't been yeah. consistent. We're just well, crossing okay. for crossing's sake and shooting for shooting's sake. And my, my favourite comment in the post-match interview was where he described, uh, you know, he was trying to big up how hard it is to play Accrington in front of their vociferous and I think he called it, you know, an intimidating atmosphere. <laughs> Reminder, 2,400 on Saturday, lads. I'm not entirely yeah. sure that's... Yeah, they had a drum though, Glenn. They had, they had a drum. So <laughs> Maybe he's scared of drums. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was, it was just yeah a very poor performance, a very poor result. Um, I think we'll probably leave the game there. We'll have a look at a few statistics um, and then look ahead to where what where we think this season might be going. Um, so yeah, let's let's close the game there and look and look at some of, some of the numbers. The situation is clear. That's an excellent ball in. It's Holt header. Shrewsbury Town have the lead. It's his 28th goal of the season. So yeah, we, we thought we'd have a look at a few statistics because as we said at the top of this podcast, Ollie, you know, there's a, there's a fair bit more context into why I think town fans are feeling quite so down. Yeah, obviously this has been a record-breakingly bad start and we'll come to that in a minute, but it still feels a little bit like since Paul Hurst left this football club following the playoff final that it's never really been that much fun. You know, we had a couple of good cup runs, Wolves, Liverpool, we've had that good run under Cottrell, didn't we? But really, that's all there has been to write home about in almost three and a half seasons now. And, you know, it is interesting to look at the league form over a long extended period of time because this, during the, the League One era we've been in, I suppose, since we came up, I think it was 12, 13, wasn't it? Um, this is now our joint, joint worst run, looking at a 10-game rolling average at points. Um, so, yeah, I think we're at a current point per game across a 10-game rolling average of 0.4 points per game, um, which is terrible, really. Um, oh, sorry, second worst, sorry. Um, the worst was under Mike Jackson just before he got sacked at the end of that season, where it was 0.3. So we're not exactly doing massively better than that period. So this is now currently, you know, this 10-game run, including the couple of games in the last season, is statistically incredibly poor and probably one of the worst runs, say, second worst run we've had um, in League One now. So that gives us some context, really, of, of how bad this last few games has been. We're still only three points behind where we were last season when Ricketts had his terrible start. So I suppose when you look at that, we're hanging in there, but we will need a, a miraculous recovery again at some point. Um, and this is also the equal worst start to a, a season um, in the history of the club. So, yeah, in terms of having played six games at the start of a season, um, 
the worst we've ever had is three points, which is obviously what we got now. But we also had that in um, 98, 99 and 95, 96 um, under King and Davis, uh, respectively, where there was a minus eight goal difference. So there were just one goal difference worse, uh, better than that, really. So we, we were second um, with a minus seven goal difference and only three points. So, again, you know, that, those two seasons there were fairly relegation battle seasons. So after six games, is already pointing some signs towards it being a, a relegation battle, really. Um, and then, Ollie, you asked me to look at some stats over the last three years, really, and I'll, I'll throw yeah. this question to Andy, and I'm sure he's, he's probably seen this sort of thing. So in League One, we've played 132 games since we came back up. Um, sorry, since Paul Hurst left. So 132 games. Our win percentage in that time overall in the league is only 27%. Um, and in that time, in 132 <laughs> games, we've only scored 134 goals and conceded 167. So, you know, it's no surprise, Andy, that town fans are a bit gypped off now of season after season this because we're going at basically a goal a game over the last 130-odd games and we're only seeing our team win one game in four. It's, you know, it's pretty stark, really, that you take it back to that point where we finish that playoff final Form has just been poor pretty much the whole way through, and it's just it's not really fun to watch a lot of the time, is it? It's rubbish, is what it is. <laughs> and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you another thing as well. You, you talk about your kids, obviously, and they, and they love going to the football, and my Finney loves going to the football. Mm. Who, yeah. do they, who do they associate themselves with? Who do they want? Who's the next Ronaldo shirt they're going to go and buy from a Shrewsbury Town player? Mm. Who's the one that's going to excite them and, and inspire people and you know, be someone who's recognisable in the community and, and get out there and be the face of Shrewsbury Town? Who is it? Who's it, who is it in the current squad? Because I don't, I don't see it, and I haven't seen it for go back as far as sort of Dean Henderson, you know, in the Hurst era, who was somebody yeah, who was yeah. instantly recognisable, and he was a lone player, for goodness sakes. Mm. It's just, it's not, it's, it's bigger, isn't it? It's a bigger thing, isn't it? The impact it has on the community and the whole area and the county and and everything else. I think they've just forgotten how important it is to people, to be honest. And I think that. Whatever, whatever the cloud is that's hanging over the club, and it's been hanging over us now for for a number of years, they need to get hold of it and and uh, find the find the solution. To be honest, yeah. Just for a to Ollie on that, it's a really good point, Andy. Like the community team does good work in the community, but it's for it's for for lots yes. of groups, isn't it? You know that that need support, yeah. and I I value the money that fans put into that, and they they really do fantastic work. And Jamie Edwards has done a brilliant thing. But there are They're times where I think, where is our community as fans? We have a community of fans, you know, terrace. You know the terrace banter, the, the the you know various things we have, the sports talent that brings people together, lots of things like that. But where's the club chipping into that? Where are those you know um, Q and A sessions with players? Where are signing sessions? We haven't had open days for three years now because of COVID. We haven't had any chance to get to know anyone at the football club who is on the playing or staff side of it, I suppose. And yeah, I think that's a really good point, Andy. Something that maybe has been missed in all of the other problems we have. It's, as you just said before, it's probably not top of the list. But I would agree with you there. I think the community team is very different to what it maybe was back in the day. It's focused on the Shrewsbury wider community. But sometimes I don't think the fans are maybe as part, bigger part of that as we could be. We're kind of almost the people that help fund it in some respects. But I, I don't know. Maybe that's overly harsh, I think, actually thinking about it. Cause it no, I think the community but, team yeah. are fabulous. They're some of the, some yeah. of the best people I've seen in terms of that right. side of the business. Absolutely. Absolutely, you know, credit to the club. So I can't couldn't speak highly enough of them. They've been great with me when I've been down there with the kids and whatever, uh, okay. and I see all the great work that they do. It's not about that. What I mean is, it's about, mm. you know, for, for example, for me, I, I holiday down in Wales at the start of every season, and every year we come back. The last ten years, wherever town are playing at home, we always go and see the home game and, and go with all the family. This year we didn't bother. I couldn't mm. think of a reason to go, uh, and, and that's somebody who's followed the club for forty years. Yeah. You know what? What does that tell you then? What about the what about the floaters? What about the people who occasionally go? What are they thinking? What about the people who haven't yet got involved? What, what's the reason for them to go along to the meadow on a Saturday? 
because mm. that's a bit, you know, it's 4,300 now. It could be under four when we get into the harsh winter. And, it will. You know, th- that's the bit for me. It's just, it's not just about the playing side. It's about the link with the community and how do we get them people interested in scoring one goal a week and having one shot a week is not going to be that way to get there, is it? That's one not the way to do it. One goal a game over, over 132 games is not a selling point to anyone. It's appalling. Is it? It's appalling. And that's the context. That's what I was, I was chatting to you. You know, I've I've got a. I keep posting that photo um, from Narcos of, uh, of um, Escobar sitting on a bench. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just bleak. Yeah, that's why I wanted you to look at the stats, Glenn. I don't. They were think they were only worse as, as bad as they are. Mm. One goal a game, and basically, yeah, winning one in four games. Yeah, and we were hoping that this, this season was going to be something, and. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's the context is just terrible. So yeah, looking at this season, um, there are some positives. You know, number of touches in the box are not too bad, and uh, you know we we win a lot of our duels. Um, you know, we're we're the, probably we are the best team in the, in the league for stopping defend of stopping opposition teams building up from the back. So that's well, good. Um, and you know we've got some decent stuff, but then in terms of like obviously the real stats, obviously we've got you know got three points from six games. That's really poor. No clean sheet. And we've only scored um, in one league game out of five, and we scored 0.33 goals per game this season. And when we're saying that less than one is bad, not scoring in five games um, is is absolutely appalling. And in terms of shot percentage, we're the worst team in the in the division for, sh- for shots on target, and we're twentieth for key passes. And and that's where we had that's why we had that big discussion about the, the squad. We don't. I don't think we have the the squad to get ourselves out of this. I genuinely don't see how this is going to be turned around. No. So how many goals do you need to stay up, realistically? Well, it's got to be at least a goal a game, hasn't it? So you're looking at at least 55 goals, aren't you? I'd realistically, say, yeah, to stay up. 50-odd. Right, yeah. where do you get 55 goals from in this squad? Tom blocks them over at volleys. <laughs> Sorted. <Right. Yeah. laughs> You've answered the question, hasn't it? The only, the only hope we've got is that we are in touch come January. Yeah. In touch. That, that's the only you know and then we can reassess and, and go from there um, but yeah I don't know where you get 55 goals it, from at the minute it would take you something miraculous Ollie. I mean it's only six games since we did the pre-season prediction pod Ollie, isn't it six league games where I was thinking yeah I'm thinking about this now you know we'll get some more players in you know I was confident we get it all sorted and you know my ambitions were let's look at 12 let's look at 13th 12th 14th something like that you know improve on this season six games in my realistic ambitions are that we somehow claw enough scrappy wins here and there like we did against Gillingham or get a point here and there by maybe trying to be a bit more defensively rigid and, and stuff up teams just as, as Andy said to be in a shout that at January either we are able to spend the rest of that money we didn't spend and get some quality in or a new manager if that's where we've ended up by there if we're so, so far cut adrift I can't imagine Cottrell would hang on all season um, that a new manager can come in and save the season in some respects that's that's where I'm at now after six games and two league games and two league uh, sorry two cup games what else can you really do? Because, you know, all the things we've discussed about the form, the lack of goals, the, the constant issues we have, the squad, there's nothing really that makes me think we're going to go out and win three games in a row. And in fact, you asked me to look at that as well from the stats, Holly. We've barely run one three games in a row. We've done it once since Paul Hurst left, won three league games in a row. I think we'd won, done it six times in a row. Yeah, you said we won two won. in a row six times. Six times, which is still not a huge amount across 132 games. So it, it takes something remarkable for us to even put a, a run together that kind of keeps us up that that far. I suppose the, the only thing you can say, Ollie, before we look at where the season going is, 
it's six games. We haven't even reached our usual 10-game area where we say, OK, we'll reassess at 10 games. Um, but I think there is a fair comment for us to have had this discussion much earlier this season because of where we are with the squad and the transfers. And, and if, you, if you take our 10-game review now, it'd be, we're fucked, basically. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your what's your before I share my opinion? What's your view of where we? So let's just let's, let's cut the season into half. What what do you what do you what are you expecting to happen um, between now now and January? I'm just like Glenn. I have no expectations to be honest. We're out of the League Cup. We're out of the other the other mm. Daft Cup. I suppose now, aren't we? It's just a relegation battle, and I'd take um, I'd take one point adrift of relegation at the end of the season. Right now, that, that's it. That's just some part of my expectations, but. Um, uh, that feeling last year I had of being exasperated and thinking, Jesus, we're going to be League Two next year. Um, I have the same feelings this year. I just hope mm. we can get the same sort of rescue package together somehow. I don't know how, or I just can't see where it's coming from, but I couldn't see how it, where it came from last year either. So I'm prepared to be surprised, but it's um, certainly an uphill struggle. Uh, and it's not inspirational, is it? It doesn't drag you out of your seat and make you want to go at the football, does it? You know, six no. games into the season and think, right, we're in a, a relegation battle and I want to go and watch a full season of it. Far from well, it. A good example of that, Ollie, before you give us your opinion, is, you know, me and the lads were all planning a trip away to Sheffield Wednesday, you know, to go and watch that game. Big game away at a game. We obviously did Ipswich before COVID. That was a cool, cool weekend we had away. You know, that had been the plan all through the summer. And slowly but surely, people are finding better things to do. And I don't think many of us will go now, to be honest with you. And, and you know, these are not floating fans. We are not floating fans. Jesus Christ, I haven't hardly missed a Shrewsbury game for years now. And, you know, same with you, Ollie, isn't it? And Pooley, you get to pretty much every game you can. You've driven from bloody Hartlepool for games before. And, you, you know, we're all pretty hardcore as far as it comes. And so are my mates. And they're just jipped off. And, and if my mate, I always think if my mates are the sorts of mates that get jipped off with it, the floaters are gone a long time ago. They, they packed up ages back. You know, they packed up at the end of last season. And, yeah, it's just we're going back to the crowds thing again and all that sort of thing. It's, it's incredibly hard to keep people motivated. Not everyone loves a football club like I do, and a lot of our fans do, where you would pretty much keep going forever whatever happened even down to the conference you know even beyond that I'd probably still go because I love my home football team but we can't pretend everybody who lives in Shrewsbury or goes to Shrewsbury is like that unfortunately we do have a lot of people that it is a activity for them rather than a a lifeblood thing that I kind of feel it is sometimes and yeah it is worrying anyway but go on Ollie where do you think we're going well we're fucked aren't we let's be honest (laughs) I just said that yeah absolutely (laughs) fucked like um, we are an absolute shambles Um, yeah normally we wait for 10 games but what's the point Nothing's going to change. Like the results are appalling, utterly appalling. The results are terrible. We don't score any goals. The transfer window is an absolute shambles, and we've had a terrible pre-season. And that's even before you get to the fact that the manager is very, very unlikable and is clearly a bully. And then he's wasting his time meddling in the kits and stuff. So the club has had to basically try and you know do something he wanted to do that and just wasting time. So. I'm really, really struggling. So there's actually the, the one positive to get this weekend, and we didn't miss a clear chance. Great. So that's one, that's one of the few positives we found this weekend. <laughs> this, um, but literally, yeah, there is nothing to be positive about. Like, every single weekend, you're going to be looking at the team going, well, who, who the hell are we going to play? Well, what formation are we going to play? We might score a few goals, but between now and January, I just can't... I can't I, we're going to, if we're not in the relegation zone, it is an absolute miracle. Like there's absolutely no way we won't be in the relegation, and if we if we're not, obviously, come, obviously fans will point back to episode seven when you said you were in the relegation zone. If we're not in the relegation zone, no. God knows what's happened because the fixtures get harder now. Yep. October is tough. We start playing Oxford, we start playing Lincoln, we start playing Ipswich, 
Um, well, at the moment, we've played Morecambe, we've played Plymouth, and we've played Burn Albion. You know, let's be fair. You know, teams that have similar budgets to us, we're not. We haven't started playing those nine former Premier League teams yet. Well, all we're hoping on really is what happened last season. The way we got out of trouble was we turned up suddenly against the bigger teams and got those unexpected runner wins, didn't we? And that's probably what saved us in the end in that season. Really, the only thing we can hope for in these next few weeks is that Cottrell somehow manages to repeat that trick and we suddenly go and get points at Ipswich and we maybe beat Sheffield Wednesday or we get an unexpected draw away at Sunderland or something like that. You know, those hard games that we wouldn't generally be thinking we'd get anything from because that has to happen. We don't have any buffer now. We've got three points from six games. We've lost to, uh, lost to a load of teams we should have definitely been taking points from. So we don't have the buffer. He's got to turn it around and he's got to do it during the hard run. And, and maybe there is something in the fact that he can have a bunker mentality, us against them, uh, this is where we step it up. And that maybe worked during that period last year. As I say, he's got to repeat that same trick again. Um, and and that's, that's the only way we'll be in touch by Christmas, isn't it, really? Because if we, if we lose all the games in October, we'd no way we'll be in touch by Christmas. Yeah. Do you think and he wants that, though? Do you think he wants to hunker down in the bunker and have that them against the world mentality? Do you well, think he was saying that? that, but it's interesting you say that because he doesn't think there's anything wrong with recruitment. He thinks that Lewis Cox has been stirring that up. Um, and he also said the performance was really good on Saturday so I'm not really sure and just to add a few contexts it wasn't you know on Saturday it got quite toxic and that's not because of this podcast or anyone tweeting that's just fans having their own opinion and like you know there was a guy a really good tweet from from Jason Floyd who said inept boring tactics terrible recruitment unlikable and by by his own understanding he doesn't understand what the fans concerns are um, and yeah, it's, things are starting to turn. And for me, yeah. the fact that we don't have a squad or even a number of players to get us out of this mire, it does make me leave. It does leave me very worried about what's going to happen this season. And, and but I also think what he says to the the press and what he says behind closed oh, doors are two completely different, different things. And that's why I, I just I'm not sure whether he's obviously he's had a significant health battle on his hands for the last twelve months, and yeah. I'm not sure that he's. I don't know. I'm not sure that he's potentially up for that sort of bigger fight with the with the the, the fan base and relegation and all that side of it. Mm. I think this may come to a conclusion naturally rather than one that's forced out. If I'm honest, seeing seeing that a lot. To be fair, Andy, I am seeing people who think it's the sort of thing where he would walk before he was pushed at this time. But that that's, yeah. that's my next question, really, Ollie. You know, at no point are we saying Steve Cox should be shacked yet. I'm not. I'm not saying that. You know, we're six games into the season. There's a hell of a lot of football to be played. We're expressing genuine worries and concerns about what the hell's gone on and how the hell we get out of this trouble, um, which I don't know, you know, where there is no way out as far as I can see until we see some better results. But, you know, how far off, you know, I maybe ask Andy on this one first because me and Ollie are going to get lots of chances to talk about this because the season goes on. But where do you think we're at where something, where, where the whole fan base would turn around? Are we at that game on Saturday? You know, if we lost 2 0 at home to Crew, do you think we're suddenly going to see our fans chanting Cottrell out or going at the chairman or whatever? Or do you think we're maybe still weeks off that because of the whole COVID thing? I, I can't really get a pitch on it yet. I think we were were miles away from it, even though it's been Mm. a bit of a shit show in terms of pre-season, in terms of recruitment, in terms of the start to the season. Let's not underestimate the work that he did last year to get us to where we got to and to retain our League One status. So I think he had a a whole chunk of bank balance left. Um, His track record suggests that he's been a good manager at different clubs at this level. So that again, tick. His relationship with the chairman is obviously a sound one, so there's another tick. So um, if you'd have asked me... 10 days ago, I'd have said that he's probably got a, a lot of time left. However, you, you cannot, regardless of who you are and what status you've got, behave in the way that you've behaved as a leader of the club and mm. expect no sort of riposte or sort of negativity. You've yeah. created your own shitstorm, so uh, nobody's done it for you. Um, and the combination of 
his behaviour, his squad building, the transfer window and all that, and throw that all in the pot and you've got a bit of a situation. Uh, now, now only he can correct that or, or take a different decision. So I don't know. It's a bit of an odd one and a bit of a circumstances that I've never really seen before. I just think there was no need for it. There was no need for the way he went on. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why he felt the need to go that direction. It, just, it was a time to be a bit more humble and say, look, we might have got it a little bit wrong. We're going to have to yeah. bunker down and get some results up until January and go again. That would have been fine, wouldn't it? I think most supporters, although they would have been unhappy, at least would have accepted that, look, it's gone wrong. We've got it wrong, but we we don't. We're not going to just roll over and die. We're going to crack on it. But it, it wasn't bright, like that, was it? It just came. Yeah, yeah it just it was. Ah, it's just horrible to watch. And, and all, all your previous points around people who said they can't watch. I totally agree. I think it was just awful, awful to watch, mm-hmm. and just a bad reflection on the club. You know, and some, and people from outside of the club are watching this, watching this. Some people who are you know very knowledgeable within football are watching from the outside in, and they're disgusted. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a great look for the club, is it? You know, and you talk no. about being a club of destination where people want to go and ply their trade. No thanks. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the reality, yeah, though, isn't it? True. You know, there's no, 91 no. other clubs to choose from, um, you know, in, in some cases, and we're, we're not right up there at the minute, are we? So no. not good. Not good for the club, and it's not been a good week for the club, and it's not been a good start to the season. Full stop. So I don't know, I don't know if there's a time frame on it, but one, one thing is for certain it can't continue. You can't you continue wanting? not having shots or not scoring goals. End of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally echo what Andy said. You know, for me, yeah, maybe been maybe appears quite strong in terms of on social media talking about the manager and talking about how he's been treating the the, the the press, and then obviously then he's here and how he's talking to players and stuff. You know, the results, the recruitment, the football stuff comes first, but it just leaves a really bad aftertaste. Um, it's 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 and it's for me. He is if he's if he wanted to destroy and damage his credibility and reputation with the fans, he has done a perfect job of it. I don't think he could have damaged his reputation with the Shrewsbury fans faster than he has. No. You know, no, calling no. out young players, calling out um, the media. Call, you know, Stu Dunn and Lewis Cox are really, really loved by the Shrewsbury Town fan base. Start going after mm. those guys. It's not going to help, um, help your cause. So he's just making... He's clearly under pressure. He's clearly stressed, and he's clearly, I'm sure, he's, you know, he doesn't want this to happen. I'm sure he wants to be successful, but he's making some really bad calls at the moment. And I'm not sure if there's anyone, because of his personality, whether he'd listen or anyone feels confident of telling him that. And that's probably a problem as well. If the football yeah. on the field is, you know, an incoming tide of problems for him, he's standing next to a sandcastle, kicking away the rest of the foundations and everything else that's gone on. And yeah, that, that's the fundamentals of it, isn't it? That you know, you you could definitely ride out a bad period of six to eight games at the start of a season, significantly better than he has done, um, and and therefore he's just undermined himself really. Um, fascinating, really. I mean, I you know, I can't tell what would happen on Saturday if we had a piss poor result. I can see there being a lot of anger around, but you know, let's not preempt it. You know, and I'm not calling for it in any respect. So it's just, it just would be fascinating to see what would happen. I'd love us to win and get back to go going the way we were and, and get back to how it was at Gillingham and get a win. But it'd be fascinating to see what happens on Saturday. It is a very big game, I think. But just before I go on to really the rest, of this, well, we're covering the rest of the season. But we did briefly mention it in the transfers. But we talk about what there is to solve this problem, right? Of the missing players, the the issues we've got, and there are a lot of players out there. And I know I put a quick list together, but there are a lot of players out there without a club at the moment who might be someone was in within our reach we talked about Matt Miller without a club at the moment someone we know could probably come in and help us out a right back but there's Mendez Lang Kadeem Harris Andrew Wills, Will, Wisdom 
Josh Sims, Dan Crowley, Connor Wickham, Jacob Butterfield, Kieran Agard, George Thorne, Joe Dodu, Rob Hall, Nar Ranger, probably not one for us, Jacob Mellis, Billy Jones, Mark Pugh, Larnell Cole, right? Some of those are not going to happen. Some of those are probably way, way too old for us now. But there are a lot of players there who've done jobs at times, could come in and bulk us up. Do you, do you think, Ollie, that's where we need to hang our hat, really? That we might find a couple of game players we can get up to speed by the end of you know, October, maybe, and that might, might be something that we can get us into touch by, by January. And you, you think we'll sign free transfers? Well, I've no idea. I've, I've, I've got no confidence we will. Um, oh God. Um, like, yeah, one as you sure. said, they're going to take them weeks to get up to fitness. Yep. So what input they're going to have anyway? Um, yeah, what we're going to sign players like Charlie Daniels and Mark Pugh and that kind of that kind of free they're agent signing. It's it's not it's not a good look. Um, and you'd like you say, Glenn, it's going to take ages for them to get up to speed. So mm. like I would have said probably you know if us, if we've had this conversation last Sunday, I'd have, yeah if we don't sign him, yeah definitely sign free agents, but. Either we haven't been able to sign players or we've decided not to sign players. Mm. So I have no idea. Absolutely no and idea. And Andy, surely if you're going to sign free transfers, you get it done straight away. You get them up to speed quicker. You know, If we're going to start signing these players well, in the middle of September, what's the point? You might as well sign them now. Try and get it done ASAP. Not being training with a club, Glenn, it's, it's, you know, it's not even a conversation to have. Because if you've not even no. had them in for a look over, over the space of a week or two, mm. um, then it's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen. So, and if it does happen, you're right. It's going to be sort of four or five weeks before they're even up to speed. So, yep. pointless exercise, really. So, um, well, we don't know, do we? Maybe they've had some people in, and, we, and we're not privy to it. But um, it normally it's, it normally seeps out, doesn't it, in terms of yeah. people training and whatever. So, no, they've um, not had anyone. Yeah, they've been looking at them. And, 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 the, and the list you've just read out there is not a inspirational pool of players. Let's be honest. So. Um, <laughs> Mendes Lang, do you want him back? We'll get his oh god, we don't need strikers, though, do we? We need we need right backs. Apparently, apparently, there's no right backs in the UK. Um, no, no, just just Australia. I, I think it'd be hilarious if the only player we brought in between now and Christmas was Mark Pugh again, and we let him go in. The, he went in January. He's played no football since then, and because we're so buggered, we'll bring Mark Pugh back in a year later to try, try and do the same thing again. That would be the height of embarrassment, to be honest with you. Let's be brutally honest about it. But yeah, that was it. That was the. Uh, that was the cherry on the cake on Tuesday when Hartlepool signed a right back from Stoke on loan. I thought that was rather ironic. I thought, gee whiz, you can't make it up, can you? All right, well, we better leave it there before we all throw ourselves at the edge of a cliff. But what about Saturday, Ollie? Crew at home, isn't it? Um, and I should just say, quite concerningly, you know, I do the football manager statistics, right? And the, the head researcher for the EFL is a guy called Dean Gripton, a really lovely bloke. And I've been doing it with him for about, I don't know, normally almost 10 years now. I've never actually, actually met him because the games he's come to Shrewsbury... Um, I've just not got around to meeting him or he, got, he was late or something but he's coming the football manager man is coming on Saturday to watch Shrewsbury Town to help <laughs> inform our database for the next game and check whether my statistics are very accurate I'm a bit concerned <laughs> he's going to think I've massively overrated a few of these players to be honest with you so um, yeah Dean's coming on Saturday to watch the town and um, I'm also going to have a few drinks before the match because um, it's one of my best mates uh, birthdays as well um, Tim Cleckott so um, I might be in a much better spirit um, having had three or four points before the game to kind of take it all in so I can see us drawing 1-1 against Crew, that'd be my prediction I think it, we won't win I think it'll be horrible and gritty and we'll probably get a point out of it Crew are pretty shit this season aren't they so um, I know they've already beaten us but they're not having a great season either so 1-1 I'm not sure that really helps us all that much but that's what my prediction is Andy what, what do you think will happen on Saturday? Um, uh, based on I've seen Crew live this season at, at Hartlepool once this season I thought they were oh, awful um, absolutely awful yeah so if we can't beat these then um, <clears throat> it is time to call it a day um, so I'm going to say 2-1 Shrewsbury, I think we'll uh, sneak a scruffy, hard-earned win. Um, yeah, I just I thought they were really poor crew, to be honest. So, um, 
I think the guy who who's the guy who had him on loan from Southampton, the right back. Ramsey. Was, Ramsey. Yeah, Kane Ramsey, yeah, he was playing right back and he was getting he was getting well, he was getting dogs abuse from their manager as well, to be honest. because um, he's quite a he's he's quite a bit of a vocal guy, isn't he? So look um, forward to him marking a door at the game then. That'll be brilliant. Um <laughs> Yeah. Go, yeah, but yeah, on. I didn't I was yeah, I thought they were very poor. Uh, I think we might sneak a win. I think there could be a better team to play at this time, to be honest. Good. Yeah, I, I think maybe we'll get a win as well. Um, oh. Crew are doing terrible as well, but I don't think it will be. I think it will be a, you know, a, I don't know, almost an undeserved win. Crew are terrible. Um, yeah, there's only only two teams below us in the league. That's Crew and Doncaster. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a mare. Then after that, then we've got Sheffield Wednesday, and then we're playing against Wimbledon, who start the season all right, who are, who sit ninth. They've mm. got they've got nine points, Glenn. Can you imagine having nine? points after six games oh, um, and they scored 11 goals 11 I don't want to keep so, going on about this but well. our football club keeps saying it's a difficult window it's a very difficult window to sign players it's been really hard for clubs to sign players Wimbledon signed 11 Burton signed 16 you know it's not been a difficult window for clubs that know what they're fucking doing so yeah no wonder if, if we lose to Wimbledon we've got another kind of stick to beat our transfer policy with because they didn't find it difficult to get done what they needed to do although they did sell that guy we wanted to sign at the end of last season what was his name I've forgotten now Piggott I think they sold him, didn't they? So, well, yeah, they, he went. He went to Ipswich like everyone Ipswich. else. They got about yeah. fifty players on their squad now. I'm not sure how they're going to keep everyone happy. But they've started the season <laughs> terrible as well. Um, they, they've only got three points, which is which is mad. They're like the anti shoesbury They signed too many players and had a bad start. We signed not enough and had a bad start. So I'm pretty sure their strategy will work out better than ours in the long run. But we'll see. There we go. I, I'm sick of talking about it this week. It's really up. Yeah. To do with every, uh, not exactly an easy weekend for me either with uh, various issues going on at home and Shrewsbury just putting another crap result in after the debacle of the transfer window has uh, pushed me quite close to the edge. But I remain optimistic to to start to turn things around and I, I bloody hope we do because we need we need something to cheer us up, don't we? So yeah, um, Andy, thanks for joining us again. Um, hopefully we'll get you back during the next crisis, mate. <laughs> <laughs> see you in two weeks' yeah. time. <laughs> See me, see me in a couple of weeks then, yeah? Give us a call. Oh, God, yeah. There we go. And <laughs> I'll see you at Sheffield. I'll, yes. I'll see you at Sheffield. There we I go. I will be there, that's fine. Um, and I'll try and drag someone makes along. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, we'll be back next Sunday, won't we? Obviously, we've got yeah. one game week, so we'll try and get another voice on next week as well. Yeah, we will. So, yeah, thanks, you guys, for listening. Thanks for, for, for listening for this long. Um, hopefully it was, <laughs> yeah, some way entertaining. But, um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we are, we'll, be, we'll be back again next week. <laughs>